Hi friends, I'm Adrian File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love the Process podcast. We've been married 12 years, 11 good ones, and have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was five, and I'm currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and real estate team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day, and we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. Woohoo! It's good to be here. Hello, friends. How are you? You know, I, I really, really, really appreciate all the birthday wishes that I got, and uh, one of them in particular... My friend Jerry Vaughn said, I can't wait for the next podcast. So, Jerry. That's so nice. Mm-hmm. This podcast for you, bud. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I hope you can you maybe go ahead and have a bud while you listen if you'd like. And, uh, or six. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, we um, don't necessarily do that. Um, but if you're inclined, <laughs> you know, we, you know, we, we really would love to engage. Um, I know we, we got some data on how many people are listening and the amount of times people are listening and they're, you know, apparently dissecting some of the thoughts and ideas that we have. So we feel really, um, I guess, grateful for, mm-hmm. uh, this growing community, the love the process community and, uh, uh, really, you know, we're just going to be who we are and we're going to continue to, to talk about the things that, that are on our hearts and minds. But at the same time, um, just like when I'm going to be speaking on Friday at, uh, at SAS and, and you know, I'm a SAS alumni and they still not really, uh, well, I went there for a quarter. Yeah. That's not being an alumni. No, you're right. I didn't graduate high school from SAS, but I was on the break. <laughs> mm-hmm. But SAS you did is, get to go. SAS is an alternative school in North Shore School District where some of the finest of North Shore students get to get to attend. Um, and so, I, but anyway, I'm going to be there on Friday and, and just like I normally do when I go into a school and I get the chance to do that about every other week now, it seems like um, I always want to know what the kids want to know about. And and for whatever reason, I you know, I just turned 39 and in my 39 years of life, I've lived a lot of life and, and I've read a lot of things and done a lot of things and a lot of them dumb and a lot of them not so <laughs> dumb. So, um, but we have a, you know, we have some experience on a, on a number of areas. And so anything that you want to talk about, really, we, we enjoy to talk about. And, uh, that's, that's my heart. Our heart is to lift people, help lift people up and, and to help encourage people and, and encourage people in good times and in bad times and to persist and to love the process. So that being said, uh, from one of our previous podcasts, uh, one of the ideas I think we're going to talk about today is stress. And, um, you know, and as I was thinking about stress, I was like, what a negative word that is. <laughs> like just the word in and of itself. So right? instead of we're going to talk about peace. Oh, nice. So <laughs> we we're not even going to talk about stress. <laughs> we're going to be stress free, which by the way, still is stressful <laughs> because it uses the word stress. And so if you go to a peace rally, it's probably a better idea than to go to an anti-war rally. So to try to relieve stress is probably a waste of your time because what you resist persists and what you focus on expands. That's my experience. And so it takes a lot of discipline in your mind to say, hey, like Adrian just did, I'm going to go to peace. Okay. So this is where the topic came from. One of the podcasts we were recording, we got done and I leaned back in the chair and I'm like, oh, I'm a little overwhelmed about how much stuff I need to work on like personally for myself, like how much more growth I have. Right. (laughs) And then a friend had listened to our podcast as well. And she said, you know, 
sometimes I think after I listen to your guys' podcast that no matter how much we do, we only all still have the same amount of time. So 1,440 minutes a day. 1,440 minutes. So mm-hmm. at some point, you can't actually do more. 168 hours a week, 24 hours a day. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I feel like that's... 86,400 minutes. Okay, okay. Sorry, a year. So I feel like that's a good... I feel like... Okay, so you really can't do more, right? At some point, you can't do more. But I think that right there, just that thought that you can't do more implies that there we always need that we're striving for something right that we're always trying to do more and i think from there we and ourselves kind of add and create our own stress so you know to your point you know just this morning i was at coffee with uh coach banner and, and coach armstrong and uh we grab a quick coffee sometimes after weightlifting and um and so anyway we're i was talking about um and i'd mentioned it the second time i'd mentioned this idea of and of course, I have to work the hole in one into this talk, this podcast <laughs> before we get five minutes in. But I just hit a hole in one. His and, very first one. Yep, and it Woo! was it was it was awesome. It's like it all was, the golf class. It was awesome. I always envisioned I was going to hit it on the seventh hole at Pebble Beach downhill. I've got a picture of it actually sitting over here, and and I really thought that was going to be where it happened. Uh, God has a a great sense of humor, and and instead it was at Chambers Bay on the 15th hole, which is their signature tree hole. And, and it bounced one time and disappeared and you could see it the whole way. And so everybody asked, it's funny. It's funny when you go, man, I got a hole in one. And they're like, Oh, awesome. Did you get to see it? So for those who have that question, I saw it the entire way. It didn't take very long though. Ball hit and then it was gone, but you knew it was gone because there was already a ball to the left of green. So anyway, I was talking to coach Pinner and I was saying, there's going to be there's a certain things that you, I just think that I'm always going to remember, right? Those, those certain moments, I'm always going to remember when I ran ahead of Adrian to give a high five to Mickey when we finished the marathon. <laughs> She's going to remember that I didn't finish with her after she carried me for the final four, five, six, seven, eight miles. But, but I'm always going to... I'm gonna, just going to remember I had to push you through. She did. <laughs> right through the finish line. And I promise, <laughs> I promise, uh, there were people who were in, they were injured. Right, Adrian right. said they were injured. <laughs> I, it was a painful process, but I will remember both the, I think the pain and the finish. <clears throat> I will always remember 23 rows up at Super Bowl 48, I think. I will always remember, I'm going to sporting events now. Of course, I will always remember the 104 degree weather at um, our wedding in Kashmir. I will always remember that. And we wanted to make sure it was a sunny day. So we almanacked it. And sure enough, it was. And um, it was just 104. And we had black tuxes for the groomsmen and gray for the ushers. And we probably could have planned better on that front. But everybody <laughs> will remember that day. Um, I will always remember when we won the state title at Bothell. I, I will just remember that. I will, I will remember parts of the Rose Bowl uh, down in Pasadena in 2001, um, I was I was drinking a lot of beer back then, and so I, I don't remember every piece of the Rose Bowl, but I do remember saying <laughs> "Let Dewey be Dewey," and uh, and I remember that we beat the <laughs> Purdue Boilermakers and a guy named Drew Bledsoe who per- turned out to be pretty good at football as well. But there's this idea that I said is like on my deathbed, 
and I mentioned it twice, on my deathbed, I will, I will go, man, I still remember that, that moment. And it's one of those weird moments because, and people are like, well, would you have remembered if you hadn't hit one? Yeah, I think so. I do. I think so. I love the game of golf. I've always loved the game of golf since my aunt got me a six iron when I was in like fifth grade and we went to the super range. But, but this, it's this idea that it's accurate to, to understand to me that it is finite, that we do get one at bat. And so what Boehner said is he kind of went with you. He's like, he's like, man, that's like twice you've mentioned your deathbed today. And I'm like, yeah, but I also want to be present to the reality that we're all going to die and that there are only Jim. Remember when Jim was on here and we talked, there are only so many minutes that get to be spent. And so I just saw a guy talk about this idea of success. So like, what is, what is success? Hmm. Cause that's really the driver. That's really the metric. That's really the thing that is behind the thing. The question behind the question is what is success to you? And if it is the quality of time that you spend and the way in which you spend the time, which to me it typically is, then you can have stress, which would be dissonance between what that which I should be doing with my time or would, and should's probably the wrong word, but that that I would rather choose to do with my time and then the choices that I'm making that are outside of those integrities, mm-hmm. right? And so that I think creates Stress. People are like, oh, they, he worked himself to death. Well, did he work himself to death or was it because he wasn't present for his family? He, his relationships or her relationships were broken and, and they had a difficult, they had a lot of dissonance between the person that they said they wanted to be when they were like 10 and the person they were when they were 50. Is that possible that that might be something for us to lean into? And so, but for me, it is, it is frankly a motivator to realize, like, I got one shot at this thing. Eminem, and now, guess what? Today's the shot. Today's the day. And, and not to worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow, today's got enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow will get here. I never woke up on a tomorrow. But just to say, what do I want to win at? Yeah, I mean, I think balancing the idea that it is finite that time is finite with just enjoying the moment today. Totally. That's what you think causes peace. Yeah. I think a friend at the bus the other day mentioned that her daughter had just turned nine. And so now she said, I only have nine more summers before my daughter leaves for college. And she was got like a little like, Oh, Oh shoot. I'm like halfway, halfway there in sort of a little bit scared type of way. And I think, that's kind of that idea that you need to be recognize the finite. I mean, summers are when the kids have off. It's sort of the, a lot of my memories come from the summertime of, as a kid and, you know, the camping as a family. We used to go to these different lakes with our family friends when we would go camping. There, I mean, just a lot of the memories do happen, I think, for kids during the summer. Yeah. And, and so that, that the other flip side is, right? That well, nine turning nine was the goal, right? Well, so she's right on time. The balance, though, that right, and she's <laughs> right on time. That turning nine was the goal. We've got nine more years while in the house, right? It, so, what, how are we going to spend to, them? How are we going to spend them to right. create memories? And 
and I think to your point, and, and I actually did this uh, with this week, um, and I believe this to be true, is that I spend time on paper on purpose before it happens a lot. So um, for me, that looks like, and, I, and I've done this, I don't know, 10,000 times probably with various things, give or take, maybe, I don't know, where I just literally take a blank yellow. I just ordered more yellow pads. Did you see those come in? The big stack of yellow pads that came I, in from Amazon Basics. <laughs> yes, I probably. Mm-hmm. I probably saw. And I love. I, try, I tend to erase things from my memory that <laughs> don't need to be there. Yeah, I love <laughs> yellow. Here's I love yellow pads. You want to know why? Why I like yellow pads more than I like the iPhone more than I like uh, some electronic device for keeping things that might be more environmentally sound. I don't know. I'm not an environmental expert. So you can tear it off and start fresh. So that it's <laughs> it's a fresh page. <laughs> And I completely believe that you can write physically things into reality. That when you know I, what I want? Mm-hmm. Do you think they have these? I want a yellow pad that has, you know how they have the perforation at the top? Mm-hmm. I want the perforation at the top and a perforation halfway through so okay. that I can write my like weekly goal at the top and then be able to have the daily stuff on the very bottom piece and then rip off a new sheet for each day. So then you still have my weekly goal at the beginning. That's genius. Does nobody do that? <laughs> well, that's what I'm asking. If anyone knows about any one of those, I would like a link so I can purchase them. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll take a link or <laughs> shoot. We'll promote it if you create it because that's a great idea. Um, yeah, if you make one of those, send me one. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the idea of where am I going to spend my time? What matters to me? Um, you know, I was watching, I think I told you this, I was watching, I know I did, I was watching the 80s on Netflix. It's a great series. You can watch the whole decade in like six or eight episodes. And, <laughs> you know, when you're born in 1980, like I was, it, you know, it brings me back. And, um, and Oprah said this, and I go, man, this is, this is what I, this is for sure, this struck a chord with me. She said this early on in her career. She said, I want to use my life as a source of lifting people up. Mm. I want to use my life as a source of lifting people up. And then I wrote my own note that says, I want to do good. And, and so this idea of source, I thought was interesting because, because we, 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 our human bodies do have an expiration cycle, right? There is a life cycle to the human body. And so the source, you know, of, of lifting people up that I, that I would take my life and all that's comprised of it. And, and, you know, it, obviously there's, there's elements of faith and spirituality and beliefs that can be brought into that as well, whatever you might believe, but that I'd take my life and use it, that I can use my life, that it's, it's something that can be used. And then in, in her world, it's to be used as a source of lifting people up. How binary can I be in my thinking if I approach things, my life that way? Like in binary in my thinking, I mean, yes, this is a yes and no, this is a no. Because this is not something that's going to be a source of lifting people up. Or this, this is. And so, so then I can become more in sync and in integrity with that which I was intended and what I intend for my life to be. 
the dissonance. I still remember psychology 101 at UW or whatever at Kane Hall. And they talked about this concept of cognitive dissonance. And I don't know if there's anybody out there who can recognize what I'm talking about here. But I can tell you for sure, I immediately as a freshman go, yep, I've got that. I've got that all over the place. And it's, it's by definition, as I recall, it's the difference between who you want to be and who you're being. Mm. And it's called cognitive dissonance and it causes discomfort and probably this idea of stress and, and, and anxiety and, and whatever. But the difference between who you want to be and who you're being. Okay, so I have a question for you. And the greater the dissonance, the greater the discomfort. I think a lot of times that discomfort drives good things, right? It drives change and it drives wanting to improve. Mm. I agree. Do you think people have different levels of cognitive dissonance? Do you ever feel like you, there's those people in your life that just have, they just seem completely at peace with staying exactly how they are? They totally. Don't. <laughs> I met a guy. I met a guy at Pinehurst. We were playing in the final round of the Liberty Mutual National Final four years ago. Bob. He was 88 years old. It was, and he was walking, spry, smile. I asked him how old he was. He was 88. I'm like, wow. He did not look 88. And 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 the more I get talking, well, I mean, with him, so that excites me that if hopefully you get closer to your, like less pain or oh, I think it can go either way. I just sat older. in this. I just oh, sat in this way. interview. Oh yeah, I think it can be. I think as you get older, you can grow closer and have less dissonance. I think as you grow older, you can have greater dissonance. I just sat in in my mom's meeting for her new housing uh, that she's moving to, and there was a guy who who had a tough time hearing, and. But man, he was extremely demanding and frustrated with every step of the process. And I, and I think that he would be someone who has a higher degree of cognitive dissonance. Now, from my perspective, what I, what I strive to do is realize that old To Kill a Mockingbird, like you, you can never, you, until I walk a step or 10 or five miles in somebody's shoes, I don't know where they've been or what they've seen. I don't know what they've been through. So some of it can be traumatically imposed too, right? Some of it can just be, you know, uh, circumstantially imposed. So part of it, you know, I think part of the pushback I have sometimes is, is it can come off so, so easy, you know, and, and maybe to some degree I can make it sound so easy. But at the end of the day, to what Adrian's saying, I have never had a time in my life where there's not like something that I go, you know what? I could work on that. Like, up, uh, you know, like I'm eating too many. I ate three cookies and half of one of my mom's at that thing. Like now, did I work out today? Sure. Got in a good workout, but I'm eating cookies. Mm -hmm. I'm eating crap. And, and so it's, it's, there's, there's, I've, I've never personally, except for maybe right after that hole in one, <laughs> <laughs> okay. then I've never, you know, really like it, but that's such a fleeting thing. I wonder how many times thing. you can mention it in one podcast. We'll, we'll try. <laughs> and so, During one of my meetings at work last week, my team, my team dared me to try to mention that one of our projects was done as many times as I could. During the meeting? I, yeah, during the stand-up. It's only like a five-minute stand-up. Like each, for each person, each group gets five minutes. Who is Talion? He, one did of my teammates. How many did you get? How many did you get? I got uh, four. I got four. You in said five it four minutes. times in five minutes. <laughs> this one Project item complete. was done. Good work. 
Thanks. Good work. But yeah, I like that. Like, like it was pretty awesome, actually. They were laughing. I felt, <laughs> and that what you're talking about there is great. It's joy, be joyful. Well, it was really Laugh fun because nobody stuff. else in the team knew what I was doing. Those are inside. <laughs> Someone else at the meeting. <laughs> yeah, inside jokes make teams stronger. That's a that's a that's just a true, true story. Inside jokes make teams stronger. Decent gift, good gift texts make teams stronger too. <laughs> I've become my gift game is getting strong. Mm, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. I just I just okay, sent I one to go, Eric just a little bit ago. <laughs> Frank the Tank from uh, old school, you know. That's right after, a good one. Right after he filled it up again. <laughs> um, okay, I back to my question on um, cognitive dissonance. So, how do you, if you feel like you're struggling and you've got some cognitive dissonance that you're struggling with, right? That you feel like there's a gap from who you want to be and who you're being. How do you increase that motivation? Oh, this is that button. Remember we talked about the button that I'd push and nobody'd show up. Because I think sometimes, I think so. Do you remember that the button? Remember the button? No, what is the button? Fix your shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody likes that advice because you know what it inherently requires? Exactly what you're saying. But like, how do you Effort. not get overwhelmed? Remember last week or last week when we had our last podcast, I was right away. I was like, oh, there's all this stuff I want. Need you to might get on. overwhelmed. Just don't quit. <laughs> it's overwhelming. You might. So you how, might. But some people get so, so overwhelmed that they can't even take a step forward. Well, not if they don't quit. If they persist, eventually, if you can, if you fall, here's my thing. If you fall, fall, fall on your back. So that if you can look up, then then maybe you can get up, right? Like any well, unless you're forward, a turtle, yeah, then you're screwed. Any <laughs> forward momentum is the is is any forward momentum is the goal. Now, to your point, what is overwhelming is the truth. The truth is overwhelming. Nobody wants the truth, but the truth hurts sometimes. But it hurts because it's the truth. It's like gravity. Like I didn't want to fall. Well, you fell because it's gravity, and so. What happens so often, I talked about this in our team meeting uh, this morning, one of our team meetings, is it's, I'm, I'm throwing out the idea of two steps forward and one step back. And our process, our Love the Process podcast, like the idea, the concept, the thing we started this for is Love the Process. I think it's two steps forward and seven steps back. So it's not a matter of, of we want to set targets and changes that are so high and so remarkable and yet like you do in your work this Japanese process that brought Japanese cars here that rolled on America in like 11 years this Kaizen process of steady improvement Kaizen thank you Kaizen Kaizen yep <laughs> I bet wonder if that guy had a hole in one but um <clears throat> Mr. Kaizen so is it a person no <laughs> oh well probably didn't have a hole in one so but but it's this idea of consistent persistent pursuit of, of of just improving like it's it's just small it, steps. small steps and mm-hmm. it and it really it just comes down to slight adjustments slight adjustments and continual persistence though mm-hmm. right this is that idea of persist because there are going to be days that are overwhelming and those are great days those are great opportunities for growth totally agree when, when, when there's a multitude of bull crap going on, a tsunami of bull crap going on, what I have found is that if I stay in the game and, and pray, ask for help, realize that it, I, I, the world doesn't start and end with me. 
that I need, I need help. That the answers come and it may take a day, it may take a week, it may take a year, it may take 10. But so how long do you persist? Mm-hmm. You know what the answer is? People don't like this one. Fix your shit Forever. and for as long as it takes. <laughs> as long as it takes. And you know, who, you know what Bob said, that 88 year old guy? I asked him, I said, what's your secret? Like you're the happiest dude I've met, maybe ever. And he's like, faith and perseverance. That's what he said. I wrote it down. Faith and perseverance. Dude's 88 years old, holding the clipboard. And you better believe we had a day. (laughs) Didn't make any home ones like I did the other day. But Bob had a great insight on an 88-year-old who had had minimal cognitive dissonance, which was faith and perseverance. And, And the thing is, we say it, and we it's a cliche, and it'll be in our book, which is coming out soon. And we say, it's supposed to be hard. And the only way you can get through to fix your shit is to go through. But we, we, we want... More fun to go through together. Absolutely. Hand in hand, Find arm in people. arm down the yellow brick road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want people who are like, like let's go. You, you know, I heard, you know, I haven't mentioned him in a while, so I'll mention him today. David Goggins says this, and I and I, I just completely agree with this mentality. I realize it's coming from a Navy SEAL vet who's run ultra marathons, and so his resume is off the chart, and so is his thinking. But the idea is similar, which is that take heed of who you're taking advice from. Be very mindful of who you listen to, mm-hmm. right? The Bible says good trees bear good fruit and bad trees bear bad fruit. But good trees can't bear bad fruit and bad trees can't bear good fruit. Watch, be mindful of who you're listening to. What, what does their life look like? Why do you think I'm quizzing Bob? Because I'm like, this guy's success leaves clues. So what David Goggins says, he goes, I do not want to listen to the guy who's like, man, you've been working hard. Take a little rest, man. Get a pizza and crap. Take a night off. He's like, no, I want to listen to a guy who says, man, I'm tired. And I'm like, well, why are you tired? He goes, because tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I got to do this all over again. That's the love of the process. You know, Tiger Woods, there was a coaching clinic on Saturday and uh, Trevor Moad was there and he was talking. He's uh, Russell Wilson's uh, brainer trainer. That's what Banner calls him. <laughs> he's, he's a mental coach, brainer trainer. And uh he talked about uh, his friend who works with Tiger Woods. And he said, before the Masters went off, he said, man, we really believe Tiger has a great chance to win. And they're like, really? And he said, yeah, he's doing the things that Tiger always did when Tiger was at the top of the game of golf. Hmm. And the thing that makes Tiger great is because is, is, is not... Yes, his mental toughness is, is off the chart. It's as good as you can get. But what makes him great is his disciplined, relentless, ridiculous approach to preparation. Nobody outworked Tiger Woods in his decade of dominance. And when his dad died, I believe, to some degree, to, this is what I believe, that, that he changed his course of his preparation and his process. He did things that he didn't do, and he didn't do things that he used to do. 
and it caused him to have major difficulties in, in performing it in the game of golf and in the game of life. And, and what he did is he had the courage to fix his shit. Hmm. He went and saw, he went and checked himself into rehab. Well documented twice. And he faced himself in the mirror and he was willing to, to take accountability for his vast errors and to work towards a different outcome. Hmm. And that's why he won the Masters. Because then once he'd done that, he was able to, to he, he already knows how to play, he knows how to prepare for golf like better than anybody in the world. It's like, if you were the best whatever, you can, you can show up because you've put 15,000 hours or 25,000 hours into your craft. It's like, Michelangelo could show up and knock it out of the park, blindfolded. Tiger Woods has that. He was just blocked by his inability, probably, the, you know, certainly worldly things caught, caught his eye um, and pride, but he was blocked by the ability to execute on his process. Hmm. And that's why he sucked at golf. He was the 1100 player in the freaking world. And that's why the story is so awesome by the way and the guy that named his kid you know had a bet with his wife to name him tiger i think that guy's a lot softer than us because we named our kid tiger on the first day of the pga championship last year and uh which is when tiger was born eight nine and also we got a bible verse sent to us it was the only one i read because john eight nine and it talked about he who has no sin go ahead and throw the first stone and i'm like Tiger is a great name. Adrian says we named him after a mountain, Tiger Mountain. So I saw a quote the other day. I don't, I'm never. I'm not going to remember it word for word. But I saw a quote the other day that implied that success makes you lazy and that you have to watch out for that. Bill Gates said it this way. He said success is a lousy teacher. It seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose. Hmm. And 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 I think that's absolutely true. And I think it's and, and I think that, that when you see guys like Bob, when you see uh, the guys like your grandpa, you know, they all the way the only thing they knew because there is a point in time like like one thing I think we should be conscious of is yes, we can at any day, regardless of the past, the future is spotless. I say that, I believe it, and I think that at any moment, I think Eric Thomas talks about this, we can sacrifice who we are for what we can become. I think it gets more difficulty, more difficult as we get older. And so if I can create good processes and good habits as I age, I'm going to have a better chance of tending and trending towards the closing of cognitive dissonance, I believe. Yeah, that's good. I also think it gets more difficult as we surround ourselves with more people that rely on who we are at that person, a person that we don't want to be. Say more. So I think... As we, you know, as we go to the bar all the time, if we're struggling with not wanting to go to the bar, but all of our friends, that's what they do. And they rely on us to take them out and show them a good time. I think it gets more difficult for us to be able to sort of make those changes versus if we don't have as much of a crowd that's relying on us as this maybe person that we don't want to be, then I think it could be easier to change. So I just think we have to be careful on what's the 
who are the people, I guess, not just who are the people that we're surrounding ourselves with, but who are we becoming and who are we around around certain people? Are we the people that we want to be? Are we the person that we want to be? And and know that it's, and, and I think really the paradigm that it's an inside job, right? That it's right. it's not it's not circumstantial. Mm. I think so, so often people think the circumstances of my life is my life. Like they're like, okay, the money's right, so I'm good. Oh, their money's wrong, so I'm no good. The, you know, the car broke down, so I'm no good. The car's running great, just got a new rig, so I'm good. Like they look at the, you know, got the girl, got the guy, got the place, got whatever. It none of that stuff is my life. Mm. And and so, anything that and I I say this all the time. Anything that I I like, if I can sense something like man, if that went away. I would, I would be devastated. I want to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like I have to be open-handed to the circumstances of my life, and that's a cha- that's a skill, and that's that's a challenge because I think so many pe- it's insidious that we we identify with, we we hold esteem in our position or or our location or or whatever instead of using any of the circumstances any of the circumstances of my life both good and bad can be used as we talked about Oprah saying as a source of lifting people up humble circumstances crappy scenarios things that don't go our way can be used as a source of lifting people up vice versa if 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 the cup runneth over if it's like man we're shooting the moon down we just went to that journey of generosity. It's like, how can we use that as a source of lifting people up? Because because I don't call the shots necessarily. There's a lot of things that happen that are totally out of my control. And I think if we start, what if we start there? If we just go, did you make the sunrise today? Nope, me either. <laughs> did you put air in your lungs this morning? Me either. Did you decide to be born in the United States of America? To the parents you were in the place you were. Me either. I think it's easy to get stuck in habits. Wake up, hide your sleep, shitty. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There goes your day. Yeah, yeah. No, good that's luck. good. Yeah, no, and and, and, uh, and and I'm busy and I'm tired. And, and if I'm tired, then why? Then if it's because I'm if because I'm executing on a process of, of doing the thing that is, is which I was supposed to do, then great. But man, if it's I'm tired and so I can't, keep moving forward I can't persist or I woke up on the wrong side of the bed or I had a crappy night's sleep or or whatever I totally agree we often cause our own success or failure between our ears and that no you know and realistically myself included I don't want to look at that mm-hmm. I'd rather say it was a market I'd rather well, I'd rather say it was timing I'd rather say it was my three-year-old yeah the kid I'd rather say it's the kids. I'd rather say it's the weather, right? I'd rather, and you know, and that the thing about it is, and, and I, I'm just telling you, I worked and continue to work to discipline my mind to dominate difficult circumstances. I, I mean, I can't tell you. When it rains, we have a heck of a lot better chance of winning a golf tournament. When, when it, when it, is tough in the marketplace we have a great chance of finding a niche that nobody else is seeing because everybody it's so many people are so busy crying about it 
so the discipline of and, and I don't know I don't know if it's necessarily a, the the healthiest thing to go looking for those difficulties or or those circumstances but at the same time like the mentality of like this is when I dominate why not right like 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 the greatest in sports are the same way they want to take the last shot because win lose or draw they took the last shot they defined and the game and so it's a game of life and we get to define it yeah I mean I think a step for me would just be trying to pay, pay closer attention to the times that I'm starting a comment off negatively instead of starting a comment off on the positive side. Yeah. So I can watch out for that personally. Me too. How can I, how can I make sure that I'm positive and uplifting in, in both my thought life and in, my, in, in the things that I say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially to my kids. Our kids. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I just mean that when I'm speaking to them, making sure that I'm having we're having conversations with them instead of always being move instead of always moving them along in directions. Like sometimes we can just be right. We don't always have to be going from one thing to the next and just constantly, okay, sit down for dinner. Okay, go sit on the body, go brush your teeth. Like it doesn't have to constantly be commands and demands. It can be just conversations and moving along together. Right. And then, and then at some point time, time to get ready for bed. Right. And then they own it. And, um, I totally agree. Um, anything else on this topic? I mean, it's, it, we're really just talking about the, the kind of the qualities of possibilities that can, can allow for us to have peace in our life mm-hmm. over time and over the trajectory of time. Because, and I think really the last thing that I know that I would add is I think so often we're, we're very short-sighted in our thinking, right? We're very, I need it quick fix. I need it fixed now. I want the Cliff Notes version. I want you to make this stop. And I, and I think we've created that in so many of the things that are quick, right? I mean, we have a lot of quick fixes in our world, in our circumstantial and, and, and external world, right? If I want something on, I want those yellow pads, man, I got them the next day. I want a notebook to write in. Um, as I'm journaling, boom, I got it the next day, right? I want something to eat. Shoot, they'll deliver that. I mean, we've, we've created, you know, I want to talk to somebody. I want to research something. It's quick. But the fixes of cognitive psychology in, the, in, in our minds and in our, the way we approach things and the way our perspective is sometimes isn't quick. So, so when I say fix your crap, I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, I don't think it's an overnight matter at all. Mm-mm. I think it may continue for a lifetime. But it's, if you can, but if you can learn to enjoy that piece of it, then you're golden. Mm-hmm. The realization that it might take forever to get better together mm-hmm. at this, and I agree that getting better together is by far the route. I think it's it's really difficult to try to attack any major shortcoming or. Um, difficulty in our lives alone so um, that you know and and right now it's a great time and space to be able to pull to podcasts like this one to find people who've who you you can identify with that have been through difficult circumstances or been through something that you've been through or who are married who have kids who are trying to to work and 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 operate in that space like we are or somebody else in another space depending on what space you're in that can, they can provide you with 
basically free mentorship, mm-hmm. right? To listen to on your commute, to ideally for you to be able to test and, and apply. But I think so often we're, I don't know, too stubborn or too contempted to, to test and, and to try because we want to, I don't know, do it on our own or we, 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 we want to find fault in what we're listening. We want to go, no, it can't be that easy. Or I don't want to do that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes there's sometimes a lot of reasons I don't take action. Yeah. I'm not preaching. I'm saying I, I, I know sometimes that, man, if I just listen to that advice, it'd probably be better. Yeah, I think sometimes I have like blinders on to what I really need to change versus like maybe I'll see something that I need to change and I'll focus just on that and then I'll have blinders to other things that maybe actually would be a higher priority and would actually move me down the field quicker. Yeah. If I could just heed the advice or pay more attention or I don't know. It's awesome. Well, we'll keep, we'll keep, we'll keep attacking these ideas and these thoughts. Um, you know, we, we really welcome your feedback, your comments, your ideas of, of what you would love to hear us talk about. We by no means have any of these things figured out, but you know, we continue to, to listen, read, um, converse, watch for, apply, attempt, fail, try to to get better each day and to learn to love the process a little more every day um the the idea of loving the process itself is is a lifetime journey i think because life is a process and we get old and we get life things happen and people get old and people do things that we didn't expect and you know great things happen and sad things happen and a lot of pain out there Sometimes you get a hole in one and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get a hole in one and sometimes you don't. There's Tyler. He's going to get one. I'm going to be with him. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I will tell one whole, one story about a member out here who, who hit a hole in one with Don James. Seattle Times wrote an article, Don James' love for golf, got to witness a hole in one, da 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 The very end of the article said the hole in one was hit by an Inglewood member. <laughs> So Sam Wick, I'm going to give you a shout out right now. Talk about hole in one humility. You hit it. They write about it. They don't even put your name in. (laughs) So anyway, Sam's a great guy. And uh, Don James was a great lover of the game of golf. And I believe he hit two hole in ones in his lifetime. So one is is more than enough for me. I'll give the next one to Tyler. One last thing. One last thing. Absolutely. So, so great to be with you all. Let's go through. uh... All right. Our top five. What are you learning? Well, I'm learning. And I learned actually that a hole in one is a pretty lucky thing that happens. You, (laughs) you, you hit the ball and it goes towards the hole and you have this like kind of, I mean, I knew I hit it good. When I made that hole in one, I knew I hit it good. <laughs> but I didn't know for sure by any stretch of imagination it would go in. And then when it did, uh, I, I learned that it, it was a pretty cool feeling. So that's what I learned. <laughs> and I'm learning that that feeling really so far has continued to stay with me. So Let's hope it we'll lasts keep, a lifetime. We'll keep the party rolling. <laughs> oh, that's what. What are you learning? Um, I am learning that I did not prepare for my learning. 
or my loving for this podcast? Well, you're off the hook then because <laughs> I think we're getting about to time. I will go to. Um, oh, but I have something I'm loving. So I'll jump into that. Okay. So you I'm do loving, have a loving Marco Polo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> have you guys heard of this app, Marco Polo? I've got some girlfriends that I have on this Marco Polo app with. And it's so funny. I will have the other day I was just having a kind of crappy day. Like I had, we had finished doing our podcast and I was feeling a little overwhelmed about all the stuff that I felt like I need to work on. And I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling a little stressed. Anyway, I got on my podcast or I got on my little Marco Polo app. I told my friends, I just like went off of all this stuff. This is everything that's happening in my life. And it feels overwhelming. And they just came back on right away and just spoke truth and just totally turned my mood around. It was awesome. So that is I'm awesome. loving technology because neither of them live here. <clears throat> well, I'm loving the spring. It's coming. I love this time of year. Um, I, I really do. So I'm loving that. And uh, and so we got a quote probably? Yeah, Oprah. Quote? Okay, you want the Oprah quote? I do. Okay. Oprah said this. I got to find it again. I was going to go with another one, but we'll go with Oprah. <laughs> I want to use my life as a source of lifting people up. I want to use my life as a source of lifting people up. And then I put a long dash and then all caps, period. What's your mission? So what's your mission? There you go. Right what's back your, to the beginning. What's your mission? Begin number with one. the end in mind. If you, you if you haven't listened to episode number one, go back. That is the heart of love the process um it's 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 a huge deal to figure out and have an idea and a sense around uh what we're intended to do and and what our talents gifts and skills will allow us to to do in terms of lifting people up and, and moving things along and some people um everybody's got a different mission it seems like to some degree so what's your mission there's no wrong mission no right mission put it into play give it a go so fun love the process have a great week friends Thanks so much for listening to the Love the Process podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Instagram, and YouTube. Please subscribe, share, comment, and follow along on our journey of loving the process. Let's go.